Welcome to the Point is to Serve podcast series. We exist to encourage you towards a vibrant and active faith in Jesus Christ. For more information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Now let's join Pastor Alan Kiesbo for this week's teaching. We are in a series called God Is. The chance for us to think about who our God is and God exists in three persons. And so in July we're talking about God as in Jesus, is our high priest. The question is, what is a high priest? And how does that affect our relationships? And our specifically our relationship with God. This morning, as we look at a passage out of Hebrews, I want it needs some background before we get into this conversation. Because what Hebrews says not only that Jesus is our high priest, but what that means would have been very startling to those people. The book of Hebrews is written to the Hebrew people scattered abroad, often in a Greek world. And so Hebrews requires us to understand there's really two audiences. So as the Hebrew people understood God and the high priest, they would have seen it as something quite different than how, what I think the author means. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is shocking if you understand the contrast. The Hebrew mind, God as, under, mind understood God as holy or other. In other words, you have what you see, and then you have holy. And it was really kind of a whole nother world. Isaiah would go on to say that God is holy, holy, holy. <laughs> And that he would multiply in a sense. If you think God is holy, set apart, separate, something other than us, multiplying that three times, and that is who God is. They would experience God uh, as a pillar of fire in, in Exodus 34. Uh, as a pillar of fire who went with the nation of Israel into, into the, out of Egypt and into the promised land. As, as something that you don't go up and give God a hug. God was otherly. And when he, um, Moses comes down from the mountain with the tablets, that's in Exodus 34. Uh, he, because he was with God, his face was radiant. And so people were afraid to even go near Moses because if you got too close to this God, this otherness would kill you. It's an oil-water mix. You were with God, but you were separate from God. And as Hebrews talks about Jesus as our high priest, this would shake this idea that God cares for us, but God is far apart from us. This transcendent versus eminent. There's also this sense for the Greek people that how they understood God was a, the highest value that the Greek scholars put on God was that God had no feelings. <laughs> they believed that if God had feelings, if, if you could make me sad or you could make me happy, then you would in a sense have power over me. And they brought that into a divine relationship that if God had feelings, then creation would have leverage over God. And so their idea that was not only was God far apart, but God just didn't care. <laughs> so good luck doing your sacrifices, because God is out there. The Epicureans would take it one step further, that God lived in a neutral place, and they were oblivious to creation. So when Hebrews talks about Jesus as our high priest, 
he has a whole redefining of sense of God. And the nature of that relationship would be God as a friend. Now that would certainly fry the brains of the Hebrew and the Greek people because not only does now God care about us, but God chooses to be in a relationship. And while the nation of Israel had a, had a sense of covenant with God, it was a covenant that they were kind of a little nervous about <laughs> because they had heard stories. And even on the Day of Atonement, when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, this otherness was so feared that they'd tie a rope around the priest's leg because if God's holiness struck him dead, nobody could go in and get him. And so this sense of you approach God, but you approach God fearfully. And Hebrews, in several chapters, talks about high priests, and this morning just talking about this one idea that God is not only in Jesus our high priest, he's a high priest who walks with us. And I want to share, as kind of an analogy, uh, three stages of a relationship that I had and kind of how that relates to how we relate to God. And it's fitting because my relationship that I want to share is about my first time at camp. As we packed off kids, I talked to Jocelyn Reitzman, who's going to be a high school camper this week and a junior camp counselor next week. And I said, well, this is kind of a story you need to hear because I want to share with you about a camp counselor. I had my first camp counselor. His name was Harley. He was about 16 or 17. I was 10. And when I went to camp, I had this experience of starting a relationship. And I want to talk about how that relationship may reflect how we see God and our relationship with God. So let's read out of Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, just a few verses. But if you're understanding God is a God who is frightening and far off, let this verse kind of understand how close God is to us. The editor's table uh, label this passage, Christ is our high priest. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, just he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And Jesus, the author of Hebrews, is saying, we have a high priest, but he redefines who that high priest is. The passage starts by saying, we have a great high priest. Some Bible scholars say, it would be better to say we have a high priest with a great nature. It isn't just that if you were a Hebrew and had memories of the temple and the high priest who walked through town with his robes and everyone went, whoo, there's a high priest, let's not touch him. Jesus, uh, the author of Hebrews is saying, we have a high priest with a great nature. And that nature redefines the role that maybe they were familiar with. It isn't a high priest to be afraid of. It's a high priest who has our best in mind. For a while, the high priest that they would remember or maybe saw could go into Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. This high priest has gone into heaven. It's a whole one thing to go into a certain part of the temple with fear of God striking you dead. It's another thing for your high priest to be standing next to God the Father on our behalf. 
And this high priest is a perfect priest in that he has, he has one hand connecting to God the Father and one hand connecting to us as humanity. And he is the bridge for us. And he is incredibly prepared to be on both sides of that span. He is a God who we can be in relationship with. While greater than we could ever understand, he's a God who has our best interest. And yet sometimes that sense of what the Hebrews and the Greeks understood about God, we bring into our relationship. We want that God to be involved in our life, but we do it kind of with nervousness of what if God actually shows up? <laughs> do we really want God walking around with us? Do we really want God in every corner of our house, in every corner of our life? There's a classic book, My Heart Christ's Home, where the author talks about opening different places of his home to Jesus that he might come and dwell with us. But when he gets to this one closet, he kind of says, no, I, I want to keep the key to that one to myself. And so as we approach God as a high priest, sometimes we may have this sense of we want God, but we're also afraid of God. And we don't understand his otherness as it relates to us. Well, when I went to camp, Wood Lake Bible Camp near Grantsburg, Wisconsin, I had a counselor whose name was Harley. I thought he was incredible. He was 16 or 17, a high schooler. I was 10 years old. I was a chubby 10 years old boy with a speech impairment. I was pretty sure I would not matter. And he communicated to me that I mattered. It was a great week. And yet, he was a counselor that I was, in one hand, I, I loved, and yet I was afraid of him because he was one of those crazy high school kids. He had a car, and if my memory's right, he had a convertible car. He could play guitar. He could hit. He could water ski. He did everything that a 10-year-old think would do is awesome. But I knew at the end of the week, he would go home, and I would go home, and that relationship would be over. I was shocked. One of my jobs growing up was going to the mailbox, not because I ever got any mail. <laughs> it just because it was a fairly long driveway. And one day after our junior camp, I came and I pulled out the mail and I, I looked through it and I saw a letter addressed to me. It was my camp counselor. Harley had written me, I believe, the first letter I had ever gotten. And although he was no longer my counselor, he was still caring for me. Well, we may have that view of God. Our friendship with God may be that kind of God that we say, well, he loves me, but there's this distance between us. And if he doesn't have to show up, does he really want to show up? Or at some point, do I want him to show up? Because in this relationship, I see the gap, although it's seven years between a 10-year-old and a 17-year-old, is a huge gap by way of life stage. And as we approach God, sometimes we focus on the gap between us rather than the God who is with us. And this morning... What this may mean for you is that you may some, be somebody who knows and acknowledges God, but you allow that distance to remain. Because somewhere along the line you heard that God was this holy, holy, holy God, and you look in the mirror and go, oh man, this God really doesn't want to, to have anything to do with me. And so I acknowledge God, I, I long for God in some way, but yet I'm comfortable knowing that God is there and I know I can call him when I need him.
that may be how your relationship with God is today. But Hebrews goes on to say, in Jesus we have an understanding guide. Hebrews says, the high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings as we do, yet he did not sin. Bible commentators would say, in a sense, we are tested and we know the pain of that testing. But we usually fail, right? We usually fail before they really, before Satan, the tempter, the, the, the deceiver, really turns up the heat. But imagine for Jesus not giving in how much more he was tempted than we will ever experience. And yet, that is our high priest. And from that position, he is our guide. He has had his feet firmly planted on the earth. He knows the struggle. He knows hunger. He knows sadness. He knows a broken heart. He knows torture. He even knows death. And from that vantage point, having had his feet planted firmly on the earth, he also has, is with God the Father. And as our high priest, he can guide us in this maze, in this mess, to in this place where we can come before God. He is a guide who, as a high priest, knows what it means to be human. My friend Harley, my counselor Harley, taught me many things. He intentionally taught me things that week and other weeks of camp about who God is and, and how to be a follower of Jesus. He taught me about leadership. He taught me about relationships. There were times where he intentionally taught me, but there were times where I just watched him. And one of the ways I watched him was he was a great water skier. You could see him on the lake cutting turns and just putting up this spray of water. In many ways, I said, I want to be like him. And so I learned to water ski much like he water skied. Several years later, I'd be in a ski club. And they wanted me to change my style of skiing. <laughs> and I resisted. I didn't know why I resisted. I, knew, I just knew I don't want to ski like you. And I continued to ski like this person who had influenced me. For Harley was for me a guide. What does a relationship like that look for if we have Jesus as our guide? Well, we study the Bible. We follow community. We enter into community and learn what it means to act like a follower of Jesus. But sometimes we leave it at that, and sometimes it's more a beneficial relationship that we nurse that we might get the benefits. Following Jesus, one stage of our friendship may be, if I follow Jesus, I know my life will be better. And we have kind of a business relationship with God, saying, if I'm good, and that's much like the Old Testament, that if they follow the covenant, their lives will be better. Do they ever express their love or affection or their life completely trusted over to God. I don't think we ever really see that in the nation of Israel. And so they have a somewhat of a friendship with God, but it's for the benefit of a better life. If you had a very close friend who said, I am a friend of yours because my life is better because of it, but I don't really like you, <laughs> would that be what we are looking for in a friendship? I don't think so. We want to be a blessing to those around us. We want to be in relationships where people's lives are encouraged and strengthened because of our friendship. But if it comes down to a, a business relationship that people are better off because we're friends, but there's no affection, 
it does not leave the relationship a little bit empty. And I think sometimes we can have a high priest relationship with us where, where we acknowledge him, but we want to keep our distance. I think the next step of our friendship can often be that we are friends with God because our lives are better. But we lack that next step of what God is calling us into. And in Jesus, we have an invitation to come with boldness before the Father. So Hebrews says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us even when we need it most. Our relationship, God, God isn't limited to when we're performing well. It is times where our hearts are breaking and we have failed, and even our dog won't even come to us. <laughs> we have a God who says, Come, come with boldness. Because I am the high priest who has taken care of everything. If you go back in the Old Testament to the Day of Atonement, you'd see the high priest having the role of sacrificing two goats. One goat he would put his hands on and he'd confess the corporate sins of the whole nation. And that goat would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. The second is that he would go to the goat and... And the people would, and he put place their sins on that goat, and the people would say, Azazel, which means take him away, take him away. And as the sin would, would be visually placed on that goat, the goat would be sent out into the wilderness to die, demonstrating that the sins here haven't just been covered, they've been removed from the nation of Israel. When Jesus was before Pilate, and the people said, what do we want to do with this man named Jesus, your Messiah? The people yelled, Azazel, take him away. And that's what they did. They took the high priest away. Not that he might offer a sacrifice through goats and other animals, but he would be taken away with the sins on his back and become the atoning sacrifice for each of us. And out of that, we can have boldness before this otherworldly God. God is still, in a sense, otherworldly in that he's transcendent above all of creation. But because we know this high priest, and this high priest is our friend who has taken away all of our sins, we don't just give him a portion of our life. We don't just enter into a relationship where we benefit from him. We Bold is approach this high priest because he is our friend and we are his friend. We now give all of our life to this high priest because as a friend, he loves us and he cares about us. By the time I went to college, while we still were seven years apart in age, Harley had become for me a friend. He lived just a few miles from Bethel University and so we'd get together regularly. I would say when I went to Bethel, I was the most unprepared college student in the world. Uh, I had no idea how to navigate it. And I would boldly come into my friend's presence and say, Harley, I don't understand <laughs> what's going on here at college. And he would help me. He would counsel me. There were maybe a couple times I even encouraged him. But primarily this relationship, one that I gave fully into this as a friendship, and he helped me and he encouraged me. In Wisconsin, I left as a graduate being the president of the youth ministry for northern Wisconsin. And I was in charge of a, a retreat in Superior, Wisconsin the next spring. I had no idea 
how to do something like this. So guess who I called? I called my friend. <laughs> he said, okay, we can figure this out. So he found a speaker. We helped a group in Superior set up housing and all that it took to do this deal. And it went off very well with me standing at the platform, <laughs> knowing that it was really Harley's friendship that prepared me for that role. That is what a friendship with God looks like. We don't just acknowledge that he's here. We don't just to try to get benefits from this God who cares and loves us. We enter into this relationship with our high priest saying, God, I am lost. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know how to take my next step. But God, I am thankful because of the high priest because when I come before God the Father, the righteousness of Christ has covered me as a high priest. And I have boldness not because I am any better than anybody else, not because I am any better than any non-Christian. The difference is I have boldness because of the work of Christ in my life. What does this look like for us? If we have a high priest, we run to God because we know he is running to us. Benny Hester had a song from several years ago, sung by other bands now, they call The Day God Ran. It's a story of the prodigal son who, when he comes home, fearful that this holy, holy father or holy, holy God would reject him, he looks up, and the God in the story is running to him. We come boldly into the presence of God because through Christ, God is running towards us. So now our relationship with God isn't what do we get from God or, or how far can we keep this distance, but to say, God, I acknowledge that you are a friend of mine and I am a friend of you. And now I want to walk this life together. Every decision, I want to kind of bounce it off you. I want to bring it into your presence. Every time I make a mistake, I want to come back to you and say, God, I'm sorry. I just am not really good at this thing yet. And the gracious friend, the gracious high priest, embraces us and loves us. Another song that kind of captures this is a song called, I Am a Friend of God. It's chorus, it's verses, Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? It is true that you are thinking of me, how you love me. It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. You may need to go back into your past and figure out what relationship you have with God. A couple of assignments. One, what are you looking for in a relationship with God? Do you really want to keep that distance? Do you want to be that a person who acknowledges God and just kind of says, yeah, okay, God, I acknowledge you, but I'm going to live my own life because I don't know what to do with you. Are we going to be in this business relationship with God and says, if I, if I hang out with you, God, my life will be better. I don't really mind if I don't have any fabric in our relationship, but because the benefits are fine. <laughs> or do you want to move to this place because of Jesus as our high priest? We want to be friends with God. It is a daily experience. You may ask me, so how is my relationship with Harley now? That'd be a fair experience after I showed the way that Harley has had a huge impact on me. We don't have a relationship. We never decided not to be friends. <laughs> In 19... 
80, we moved from St. Paul, Minneapolis to this crazy town in the prairie called Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And uh, Harley stayed in Minneapolis, and when, we, when Jordan was born, he brought us a bear, Hubie Bear, and we continued to stay in touch, and then we went to Canada, and he stayed in Minneapolis, and um, a friendship that was not nurtured, for all practical purposes, has ended. I think that kind of describes most of our relationships with God when we don't nurture that friendship. And so I'd encourage you today, God is still a friend of you. Are you a friend of God? Are you coming to this high priest to say, God, I don't want you, I don't want to just acknowledge you, I just don't want the benefits, but God, because you are my high priest, my friend, I want to live every moment every day, mindful that you are with me. You are not only my high priest, but that role isn't that you're off walking through the streets in your robe, but you are engaged in what I'm thinking and doing and wants the very best for me because I am your friend. This isn't something that is made by decision once and for all. It is something that we invest in. If you don't know what it means to be a friend of God, it, it means that you, you've made it be something that you put in a time in the week or put in a time of crisis. But the fabric of a friendship with God, Al McGinnis says in the book Friendship Factor, it's like a fine lacquer finish. It's applied one thin coat at a time. You don't become a friend of God because you went forward one day and claimed Jesus as your Savior. You become a friend of God, this high priest, by making it a daily, minute-by-minute experience. Let me encourage you on this adventure. God is a friend of you. May you make God a friend as well. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you that we can have boldness in our relationship with you. Because you're not just a God transcendent, but a God who is eminent, a God who is a God who is with us. And God we, God, we can come boldly into your presence because you have been the perfect high priest who not only made a sacrifice, but literally sacrificed yourself, that your righteousness is placed upon us, and now we can boldly come before the Father because you are our friend. For that gift, may we be grateful. May we be committed, and may we make it a daily journey of developing this friendship that we might be transformed for the purpose of seeing a world transformed. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Point is to Serve podcast series. For more information about pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ or information about the Point is to Serve ministry, visit our website at thepointistoserve.org. Thank you and God bless.